Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today as we put a very wet month of May behind us and kick off a brand new month here in June. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For corn farmers who are still strategizing how and when to price their corn this season, there are some potentially market-moving events coming up in the next few weeks. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. June begins the Atlantic and Gulf of Mexico hurricane season. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. It's a little cooler spring than normal. We've had a really wonderful spring in most areas of Texas. We're going to talk about how plants have performed. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about gardening in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. One of my favorite treats is fresh blackberries with bluebell homemade vanilla. And Jessica Domel tells me there will be plenty of Texas blackberries this year. Texas fruit growers are expected to see a bumper crop of blackberries this year. Dr. Larry Stein, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension horticulturalist, says after winter storm Uri, dry conditions helped blackberry and peach growers avoid many disease issues. Pleasantly happy, pleasantly, I wouldn't say surprised, but just glad that they came through the cold just fine. And yeah, I was in Atascosa County two weeks ago now, I guess. And so they were already heavily picking. So yeah, the next wave of variety should be coming on. And so, yeah, we look for that crop to be good as well. Blackberries are a popular supplemental crop in Texas, and the new thornless varieties are making the fruit a considerable crop, especially for pick-your-own orchards. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas farmers are expected to plant a lot more sorghum this year, and the rain across the state has drastically improved the outlook for the crop. Colin Jopolis farms near Corpus Christi. He estimates that rain has quadrupled the potential of his sorghum crop. Yeah, Milo looks really good. Um, a few weeks ago, we were hoping we'd make a 1,000-pound average. Now we're probably going to push over a 4,000-pound average. So pretty incredible how quick it turns around. And, you know, there will be spots around to make a lot better than that. And there's some terrific Milo out here. It's it's uh, all filling heads real well, and exertion looks really good. And uh, it, it couldn't be happier. Chopolis says the rain has given his cotton crop a big boost also, but it has brought on a few problems with flea hoppers. We saw a lot of volatility in the corn market on Tuesday, and there's even more potential market-moving events coming up soon. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Corn markets have already been pretty turbulent, and as area farmers get the new growing season underway, Texas A&M ag economist Mark Welch says there are a number of things that could really impact prices in the coming weeks. 
Certainly whatever China does with regard to its purchases remains significant to watch, but Dr. Welch says it's also time to pay closer attention to what happens weather-wise in corn-producing areas of our country and in South America as well. He also points out that USDA's weekly crop progress reports will start including crop condition ratings for corn. And speaking of USDA reports, a big one coming on June 30th is the annual acreage report, with many market players strongly anticipating the new planting estimates will be much higher than the numbers we got from the prospective plantings report back in March. So if we were to get an acreage report at the end of June that said acres are about steady for whatever reason, whether farmers just didn't intend to plant anymore, or it's too dry in some areas, too wet in some areas, and, and we have the prevented planted acres start to play again, that we just couldn't get the corn in, that would be a very bullish indicator. Also coming out on June 30th is a quarterly grain stocks report with important data on feed demand. Dr. Welch says for the time being, major swings in prices are possible in either direction. If we have a weather scare or we don't get the acres, are we in an environment where we can take a run at all-time record high corn prices? You bet. We're in that kind of neighborhood. It's that kind of environment right now. But we get more acres, weather settles down, the demand from overseas kind of stabilizes the kind of where we think it's going to go. Can we go significantly lower? You bet as we remove the uncertainty from the market, that would tend to give us movement toward lower prices. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, May was a wet month across Texas. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Fort Worth meteorologist about the unusually high rainfall. My guest today is meteorologist Tom Bradshaw with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. And Tom, uh, we are now in a neutral weather pattern, but uh, I'll tell you what, May was certainly wet in various regions of the state of Texas. Absolutely was. Good to be with you again, Tom. Yeah, we saw rainfall totals um, across a good part of central and eastern Texas that were anywhere from 5 to 15 inches for the month of May. And that's anywhere from 150 to 300 percent of what we normally see during the month of May. May is normally a, a a pretty wet month for the state of Texas, and it certainly didn't disappoint this month. And because of that, the Texas drought monitor, since we last talked, has considerably changed in that uh, the extreme and exceptional drought areas are still, unfortunately, in far west Texas, southwestern Texas, and the western panhandle. But uh, much of the rest of the state is starting to uh, either have no drought or uh, very, very uh, little drought. Well, you're absolutely right. The the recent rainfall uh, across uh, most of the state during the month of May has really alleviated the drought conditions across the Lone Star State. Still seeing some uh, what we call D3 and D4, which is extreme to exceptional drought across parts of uh, far western Texas and down in the Laredo area down towards the valley. But apart from that, the rest of the state is in actually pretty decent shape. And again, that can be uh, that can be attributed directly to all the heavy rainfall that we received over the last uh, two to three weeks, actually the last two-thirds of May. Now we're into June, Tom. June 1st uh, officially begins a new hurricane season, which runs through November 30th. So what is the outlook for the month of June in Texas with regards to uh, hurricane season and just the, the temperatures and the rainfall possibilities in one of the hottest months of the year? Well, as far as what we're looking for um, on a monthly basis across the state of Texas, we are looking for above normal rainfall, and that will actually translate to near normal to perhaps slightly below normal temperatures across much of the state. So this recent wet pattern that we've had across uh, Texas is forecast to continue across a good part of the state through at least the first half of June. Now, we talked about the 
the hurricane season getting underway, and obviously we are looking at an active season with above normal um, storms, uh, number of storms expected. During the month of June, we can start to see storms start to, to fire up across the western Gulf of Mexico, and any one of those could come on shore and obviously produce copious amounts of rainfall as well as other hazards across the coastal Texas. So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on as we, we move into June. Thank you, Tom, for that weather report. Glad to be with you, Tom. That again is Tom Bradshaw. He is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And while it has been very wet over the last month, it has also been a much cooler than normal spring here in Texas this year. So how has that affected spring gardening? Horticulturalist John Begno takes a look from San Angelo. Well, for a change, we've had a real spring across nearly all of Texas. Weather has been a little cooler than normal of the years past, and in some areas a little extra moisture. If you look at the drought monitor map, just in the last couple of weeks, it has drastically changed, where nearly all the state was really suffering to some places doing quite well right now, and it looks like we may get to improve upon that. And this has been a real blessing because of the plants that were stressed by extreme cold weather. The thing they did not need was to to be exposed to real hot, dry conditions right out of the barrel there. And so this has been a a real blessing. And you're seeing all through the hill country, for instance, live oaks that we were questioning whether they would flat out die that are starting to put on leaves and recover. And in your landscape, you're probably seeing plants that we thought were dead starting to sprout from the bottom. Your choice is there or to cut the top off and let that root system that's established regenerate those plants. If they performed good before, they are going to perform good again, most likely. But if they didn't perform good, it's an opportunity to remove these plants and start over. Now, it's been a little slow on vegetable gardens. This cooler, maybe in some cases a little wetter conditions in some areas of Texas has slowed or retarded the growth of seedlings if you've been planting your vegetable gardens. But now that we're approaching warmer weather, you're going to see those things jump out of the ground. And by the way, if you planted your okra, it was probably a little bit too early, but now is a great time to get okra planted in the garden because it loves really warm weather. And remember, turf grass likes, most of our turf grass likes warm weather because it's a summer season or summer type turf grass, and this will really jump out of the ground right now. Rainfall, those of you in the areas that have had abundant or overabundant rainfall, you've seen nitrogen leach out, and so if you fertilized way early in the year, you'll probably want to fertilize again because it's gone. Even if you've used a time-release fertilizer and you had a tremendous amount of rainfall, you might want to consider putting a little bit of light application of fertilizer on your landscape. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo. It is baby bat season in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's common for horses to get the sniffles, but when should you call the vet? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Like kids, it's very common for horses to get the sniffles and have a runny nose. Sometimes they're sick, sometimes they're not. So when exactly should you call the vet? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Before calling your vet, it is important to characterize the nasal discharge by color, consistency, amount, whether one nostril or both is involved, and if the discharge contains blood or has an odor. All of these parameters can help the veterinarian determine the possible causes of the discharge before even seeing the horse. Most horses with nasal discharge have the discharge in both nostrils, and if the discharge is a small amount and white or clear, it may be related to allergies or a response to dust. However, if the discharge starts off like this but then becomes yellow or green, then a viral or bacterial infection may be involved. Dr. Melissa Mazan from Tufts University indicates in the horse publication that horses with dust or allergic disease generally act normal, but if they develop a fever and have a decreased appetite, then infection should be considered. Certainly if these symptoms are noted, and especially if a cough or labored breathing is involved, your vet should be called. Starting these horses on antibiotics is not a good idea because if the bacterial disease strangles is involved, antibiotics can actually cause the disease to last longer. Any bloody discharge should be examined, especially if it is only from one nostril, as this could indicate a fungal infection in the guttural pouch and the horse could bleed to death. Also, a white to yellow discharge from one nostril could indicate a sinus infection that may be related to an infected tooth. Lastly, if your horse seems stressed and a large amount of discharge is coming out of both nostrils, your horse likely has an esophageal obstruction and your vet should be called immediately. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is baby bat season here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. You most likely won't see one up close and personal, but it is bat birthing season in Texas. Dr. Nate Fuller, bat biologist for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says female bats are building maternity roosts where they will have their young, which are called pups, and nurture them through the first phase of life. With some species, the pups are just now out. So the the cave myotis, the cave bat, there's a cave that has little hairless pups hanging out on the side of the cave. The Brazilian free-tailed bats, the Mexican free-tailed bats, are really soon about to have their pups if it hasn't already begun. And then the pups will grow and eventually, I think it's sometime in July-ish is when the the pups start to fly. They become volant is what we say. And then you see the colony sizes sort of expand wildly because basically they increase by 50% because there's that many new pups flying around. Most bat species in North America only have one pup per year, but some species may have twins. When they're born, pups weigh about a gram and have well-formed feet because that's how they grab onto things. 
They're about the size of the distal portion of your thumb. So like that last joint of your thumb, that's about the size of a pup. They're tiny. But they are large. They're large relative to the mother because they do have to be pretty well developed to, you know, hold on to her and make sure they can keep holding on because sometimes the mom will move them around. Like the pup will be latched on and the mom just has to fly. She can't hold on to them. While bat pups may be cute, Fuller says Texans shouldn't go exploring to try and find them as it may jeopardize the roosting process. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Jomel. It was another very crazy day in the markets on Tuesday. We kicked off the first trading day of the week with the cattle market dropping sharply lower while cotton and grains climbed sharply higher. We'll take a look back at all of Tuesday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. What a way to come back from a holiday. Our first trading day of the week on Tuesday saw a lot of volatility in the market. Sharply lowered prices for cattle, sharply higher prices for cotton and grains. We'll start with the cattle as usual. Two big factors. We already mentioned one, sharply higher corn market. That always pressures cattle prices lower Plus, a cyber attack over the weekend on JBS, the world's largest meat packer. It affected their operations around the globe, including right here in Texas. They shut down their Cactus Texas plant for the day. No processing there at that plant. So overall, it had a negative effect on the cattle market. June live cattle down 232 at 113.55. August down two dollars one sixteen sixty. October live cattle down seventy seven cents one twenty two ninety two. Feeder cattle actually saw a limit down move in some contracts early in the trading session. We regained a lot of that though before we closed. August feeders down two twenty, finishing at one forty nine fifteen. September down a dollar fifty five one fifty one ninety seven. October feeder cattle down ninety two cents one fifty four ten. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear Auctioneer Troy, it's time to talk to that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how are you, girl? Good, Larry. How are you, sir? I'm really good. How did the Thursday sale turn out? Oh, considering the amount of rain we got this week, uh, I thought it was a pretty good run. We had 492 with 119 cows and 18 bulls, 108 sellers and 67 buyers. Let's walk the pins. Uh, On the soccer cows, uh, the market was pretty active this week. Uh, A few good pairs from 11 to 14.50. Mediocre and middle-aged from 8 to 10.50. Longhorn and plain ran from 5 to 7.75. The good bred cows from 8 and a quarter to 10.75. Mediocre middle-aged and shortbreads from 550 to 800. Uh, 
the planter and the bread cows from 350 to five and a quarter. Hacker cows and bulls would have been fully steady with a week ago. The good high yielding cows from 65 to 76 and a half. The medium yielding from 57 to 64. The low yielding and lightweight from 35 to 56. The good high yielding bulls from 90 to 96 and a half. The medium yielding from 80 to 89. The low yielding and lightweight bulls from 62 to 79. And on the calves and yearlings, they would have been mostly two to four better uh, on a good active market for as wet as it is. Uh, we had a pretty decent run and a really good day all in all. Good deal. I don't guess you know anything for next week? Well, we have quite a few cattle lined up, you know, from the last two weeks, as, as long as the weather cooperates. Maddie, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793, or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neighbor looks at me like that's all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs continue to climb. We're much higher on hogs than we are on live cattle. June hogs up $1.37, 118.62. July up 30 cents, 119.65. Class 3 milk slightly higher, June milk up 8 cents, 17.32 a hundredweight. The cotton market sharply higher to kick off the week, heavy rains in the Mid-South helping to boost prices. Arkansas, Louisiana, Southern Texas all getting way more rain than we need. We closed with July cotton up 213 points, 84.25, October up 158 points, 85.36. December cotton up 149 at 8481. The weather also causing a big jump in both corn and wheat prices. However, it's not too much rain. We're talking about hot, dry temperatures way up north. North Dakota expecting triple-digit temperatures this week. Extreme drought getting even worse there. That news boosted both corn and wheat prices. We'll start with corn. July up 32 cents, 688 and three quarters. September corn up 28 and three quarters, 602 a bushel. Kansas City wheat higher. July up 24 and a quarter, 637 and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago up 30 cents on the July contract, 693 and a half. In the energy markets, July natural gas up 11 cents at 310. July crude oil up $1.63, 67.95 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow up 45 points, 34,575. The Nasdaq down 12, 13,736. The S&P 500 down two at 4,202. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.